Howdy. Welcome back to another Canon Calls. I am your host, Jake McAtee. And this week, and this week we had recurring guests on Dr. Rod's story to do a little coronavirus, hopefully wrap up. We talked about the new Delta variant, Joe Biden's door-to-door plan, and hopefully sort of tied the bow on those. If you have other medical topics that you would love to hear Dr. Story cover, please send them into Canon social medias or my email, jake at canonpress.com. One book from the Canon shelf that I wanted to recommend as we kind of got into all of the super sciencey things and, and all of that weird stuff was maybe a little uh, jag from that with our book, The Forgotten Heavens, Six Essays on Cosmology. This book covers things like what does God's creation contain beyond the visible realm? Are stars angels? Do satyrs exist? What does a seraph look like? Can demons tell the future? We are not living in a world that can be easily dissected in a laboratory. Our universe is filled with intelligence and life, and the creativity behind it can only be understood fully through the Creator. In these essays, you will enjoy learning a few things you never heard about in Sunday school. Get that at canonpress.com. And without further ado, meet once again Dr. Rod Story. Now, welcoming back one of our favorite guests, the official Canon Calls Doctor, Dr. Rod Story. Thanks so much for being back. You're welcome. Thank you much. Glad awesome. to be here. Awesome. So, we've talked behind the scenes, and I'd love to have you on more consistently and kind of cover some touchy topics as far as how Christians relate to medicine and different issues within medicine. Today, though, I kind of want to do, and maybe this will be a COVID wrap. Wouldn't it be nice if we never talked about COVID oh. <laughs> ever again? But COVID just touches so many things. It's, uh, it does. It's it pretty does. crazy. Yeah. Um, it, I would love to, if you have listeners that are, would love to raise some topics about medicine and culture and how those two interact, particularly as we walk faithfully as Christians, so much is broken in medicine. More and more, I tend to walk around shaking my head all the time going, what is going on out there? But I think it's an opportunity as Christians to be able to um, redeem and uh, maybe reform medicine, just like we are in so many other areas in medicine. So uh, if you have topics, please send them to yeah, please. to uh, Canon Press and let's, let's start nailing these down. We'll take some time and, and uh, work through it faithfully as, as believers. Awesome. Awesome. So today, what I wanted to talk to you about is two things that actually, even as we, just before we started, I looked and I double checked to make sure there was anything I missed. But in the last few days, like brand new articles on President Joe Biden's door-to-door campaign. Hmm. And then another thing I saw at Yale Medicine, they put out five things you need to know about the Delta variant. Ah, what are they saying? What are some of the some well, of the things that caught your attention? I'll tell you, actually, the number one thing that caught my attention was that one of their bullet points was we don't know much about the Delta variant. Isn't that fascinating? <laughs> That's what you need to know. You know so every, it, is, it is very, um, as we mentioned, COVID just seems to touch so many things and, and it's like the gift that keeps on giving. Uh, maybe we wish it wouldn't. But, it, but um, Delta is, is certainly on the highlights and, and every government agency is, is, is portraying it as the next bad thing around the corner. Yep. Um, we, we don't know much about it. What we do, there's a couple of things that I've been reading that I think are worth kind of sharing about it. First, it is uh, significantly more virulent. Virulent is a term that we use in medicine to say, hey, this is, this is actually more 
more easily transmitted between individuals. And, and maybe it's a, the initial estimates are uh, maybe uh, one and a half to two times more virulent than the previous COVID illness that was going around. And that just means that it, it takes less contact or less persons to spread from one to the next. What's on the opposite side of that is it, the, the data seems to not suggest that it is any more bad of an illness if you were to get it than the COVID virus that has been passed around. And that's, that's uh, contrary to what was initially thought. Some of that is the conversation coming out of Delta being the main variant in Africa and India in the recent months. And some of the initial illness and thoughts that come out of that. But like, like anything, those statistics look worse in the here and now and in the post-variant uh, conversations years later when the, when the statisticians break it down, it actually starts to look a lot less ugly. Now, I'm curious. So from your perspective, well, I'll just say from mine, we, we live in Moscow and there's I haven't wore, had to wear a mask of where I've gone in quite some time, mm -hmm. but I know that's not the case everywhere. Mm -hmm. So I'm very curious, at least in your, in the medical sphere, is there a COVID fatigue yet? Or so, I mean, like when these new articles come out, uh, I actually took the headline here. I wanted to read it from the Yale Medicine. Sure. They said, uh, as the new strain spreads, experts are taking it seriously. And I, I wonder if how much, even just for people that would be concerned, I wonder if there's just like fatigue about it. Like how many times can you jab my nerves mm. to make me feel Well, that? And you, you can only push the fear button so many times before people start to wonder, are you crying wolf about something? And that, that is a, a, a concern. I think we, it, the concern also comes in that it was very draconian, the heavy handed yeah. one size fits all measures that we used on the front end of this. And then we propagated for months and then, oh, you know, six months to six years, it seems to be going on what was initially a two-week process to flatten it. Um, so you, human nature is you cannot maintain that level of panic for too long. The second is people need each other. And, and, and right. we know that more than ever. I think it's going to be very hard to roll back the freedoms that people are assuming, which seem to have come not at the behest of government, but at people stepping forward and saying, I, I got I to see family. I got to travel. Right. I got to go forward. Now, last time you were in, it was December 22nd, I believe. So just before Christmas, and we talked about that's uh, vaccines were initially on their way to being rolled out, I believe, or, mm -hmm. or how, as you look over the last six, seven months, what can you say about the vaccine? Well, it's a great question. Um, and I think it's a fascinating study in, in modern scientific approaches to illness, but also recognition of some of the limitations of it. So let's actually start with Delta. Um, okay. Some of the things that actually are coming sure. out about Delta is it's beginning to show some of the limitations of our vaccination. Okay. So Delta is a very, uh, is a uh, mutation of the original co uh, coronavirus, uh, the COVID-19 virus, which is what happens to these viruses. They mutate, they change their form. Think of it like this. A, a virus is a, is a very simple organism. It's not even considered a living organism. It has to have a host. Uh, meaning it has to infect something to be able to reproduce and to be able to be spread. It's, in essence, what it is, is it's just a cover and a little bit of information, like a one-page summary of what to do when that cover gets removed. Okay. Uh, it's a bit like a, 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 a mini house that happens to have one resident inside, but that one resident, once he gets inside, multiplies and, and he can move on. The mini house keeps changing colors. It keeps changing uh, roof styles. It keeps changing 
what it looks like on the outside, the front door, the, the address, it, it, it looks different, but what's inside doesn't change quite as much or as rapidly. And so our immune system, which interacts with the outside protein coat, starts to get fooled when it hasn't seen what it thinks it should see. Got it. Um, now, vaccination is very singular in the way that it's stimulating our immune system to look for that house, to recognize that house and say, I'm going to stay away from that. And when the virus starts changing the outside of the house, lo and behold, our immune system is not quite as good at fighting it off. Right. Comparatively, full circle, natural immunity seems to be much better at providing what's called cross immunity or the ability for our body, once it's had the illness, to be able to recognize and fight off little variants of it. When a body has been, so when we talked about vaccines, you know, you're basically, you know, speeding up that process. What would have happened in natural immunity? Hmm. Is that the case? Well, it's, it's, a, it's a, so it's stimulating one aspect of what happens in immunity. Okay. So in terms of when someone is, so when we get the vaccine or so if, say somebody has a vaccine, it, how is natural immunity relating to that vaccination? Or, you know, is that still... Is the body still looking for that stuff? Can you talk a little bit about that? Absolutely. Let me take a step back first. Okay. I think we're actually in a pretty amazing spot where we have had widespread immunity that has been achieved both due to natural immunity, meaning a, a large portion of the United States has had COVID, whether they realize it or not. And a, a large portion of the United States has also chosen to get vaccinated for COVID. And that has brought a measure of immunity. Okay. When you put those two populations together, which may overlap a little bit, you actually have a very large group of people in the United States for whom COVID is just not circulating anymore. Around the world, they're recognizing that. In fact, I'm, I'm hoping to travel here in a couple of weeks. And as I look at it, uh, UN, the U.S. is now considered by the rest of the world to be at the lowest risk of transmission for people visiting from the United States okay. elsewhere. Okay. And, and they're recognizing that, that the numbers are so infinitesimally small and the curve has dropped so dramatically right. that we are in a, a situation where it looks like we have moved on in, in, in most cases. The Delta does throw a little bit of a curve, okay. mostly for those that have been immunized okay. and less so likely for those that have natural immunity. That's not what Yale said. Well, that was one of our points. I was, think that that's the challenge is because sure. Yale and, and, and the science, we keep seeming to throw out what we've understood about viral illnesses for generations. And we feel like we have to then reprove that natural immunity is worthwhile or that it has long lasting benefit or that, uh, that it's equivalent to vaccination. Like we're treating people who've had the COVID illness as second class citizens. Right. Um, and in many circles still demanding that they even go on and ridiculously so unnecessarily so get vaccinated for something they're already immune to. So to be clear, they, they didn't mention anything about natural immunity. They just said those who are at risk, at, the most at risk for the Delta variant mm. are those who are not vaccinated. <laughs> yes, which is, is, doesn't, doesn't take into account what has really happened. So, you know, in the United States, shortly after we talked in December, shortly yeah. in the United States, the, the numbers of both illnesses recorded, documented, and the number of hospitalizations began dropping rapidly in January. Okay. This was before most of the vaccines actually hit the market. By March, we had an even more dramatic drop. And by April, almost no cases circulating in the United States. It was a huge drop. And we now have uh, four months running where we have very few cases and very few hospitalizations. We have a couple of pockets where it seems to be you know, in, the cell, uh, in the Midwest, southern, uh, Arkansas, and some other places that 
didn't see a huge amount of COVID come through or where there's also been not a huge number of people choosing to take the vaccine right. that, that we're still seeing some cases. What you should also look at, and, and this is just not being discussed because we like to twist the numbers, is actually the number of fatalities that are happening due to COVID. We've gotten actually very good at treating people who get COVID and keeping them from dying of it and keeping them from having long-term consequences of it. Okay. Okay. That seems to be all good news. It is very good news. Really good news. It is very good news. With, again, the twist that, that what we're seeing, there was a big study out just a couple of days ago showing that um, the, the vaccines that have been most widely adopted, the Pfizer vaccine, the Moderna vaccine, and again, these are, these are the two vaccines that, have, that, are, that are not using the embryonic stem cells okay. for their production. They did do some research initially, but not ongoing production. So I think they're reasonable to consider if you are consider yourself to be at high risk or exposed people who might be at high risk and you're thinking about vaccinating for it. Those vaccines are not as effective at the Delta variant as okay. um, they should be. Quick, uh, is that just the nature of vaccines in general? I mean, is it is that or are you saying that in the sense that this is a fault of the vaccine itself that could have been maybe handled? Were there more time to develop that vaccine? Mm. Or is this just, this is maybe the limited scope of vaccines in general? This is the nature of vaccination. Got it. Uh, and, the, and particularly the way we have created this vaccine. So vaccines are made in three different ways. Uh, they're made either through a dead portion of the illness where it's chewed up and given back to you and you see some of the outside of that virus. Again, think of it like uh, your body needs to figure out which is the bad player on the block which is the house that I should avoid. And, and so if you can see what the front door looks like and you know the bad house is the one with the blue door and you teach your body through getting a bit of the blue door that you should stay away from that one, then great. And that's one way to stimulate it. We have vaccines like the polio vaccine and the diphtheria tetanus pertussis vaccine that are made exactly that way. Okay. Doesn't produce longstanding vaccination. In fact, that's why people tend to get boosted for that every 10 years, the tetanus vaccine. Got it. Then there's the vaccines, the measles, mumps, rubella, and the chicken Because those are accounting for the variants. Yes. Sorry, got it. Uh, when those, and those, those things that we treat for don't, they're of a viral family that don't make a lot of changes. They've moved in on the block and they don't move, they don't change the color of their house. They don't change the color of the door very much, to okay. use that same analogy. Yep. Then you have measles, mumps, rubella, and, that, and you're actually experiencing a bit of the illness. It's a, what's called live attenuated, meaning uh, they've uh, made it in a lab so it's weakened. And you ex actually experience a bit of the measles illness for a short time. And that teaches uh, your immune system how to fight it if it saw the full strength version. Okay. And then you have this newer way of making a vaccine, which is we actually genetically drive your immune system to do what we think it should do, which is to produce the blue door. Got it. And then for your body to respond by making a bunch of antibodies against the blue door. but. Coronaviruses are of a cla class of virus that change the color of the door about every other week. Uh-oh. <laughs> so, uh, the, you know, that was why there was such a push. We've got to get everybody immunized quick because there was a potential that with that process, you might be able to knock off the possibility of variants developing. And that's a pretty optimistic and, and I would say actually short-sighted idea. Got it. Um, because the, the, the reality is coronaviruses are going to keep mutating. Got it. So when we see things like, I'm sure Delta won't be the last one. Delta, there's a gamma out there. I mean, okay. the, the whole Greek alphabet's going to get hit. This feels like 
we talked about there's this uh i w- i noticed it in our own local paper anytime there was a somebody's been tested and they got the results back they were positive you know that made there was that was its own headline mm. three more and it and it had this effect kind of plucked out of context that people's heart would just you know drop mm. oh no you know it's here i wonder if the same thing could happen you know out so the opposite so the subtext that i'm bringing up is it's a virus and people will mm. get it. So I wonder if a similar thing will happen here where it's, you know, coronavirus just won't stop. Or, you know, I wonder if that'll be the play. It, it, at some point, um, well, we're here. We're here because, by and large, as a society, we bought the f- one-size-fits-all. Everybody should fear this illness. Everybody should hide from it. We cannot get this. And, and that, wasn't, that wasn't the necessary approach. Um, we could have hid the vulnerable people for a couple of weeks, let everybody else get it, and moved on with a whole lot, I believe, less deaths than by the way that we made it slowly trickle through and the way that we bottled up people in nursing homes and the way that we kept people from each other and let it just kind of dribble through. Remarkably, we got this vaccine, but the vaccine now we've camped on like it's the saving grace of everything. It's one tool. I think it's a pretty amazing tool. I think what's Actually, the most amazing thing is in our society is actually how many people voluntarily chose it. And I think that's been by and large when you add that to the very large number of people that we have in the United States that actually have had the illness. When you add those two together, it's why we're not seeing it go around. I do think the Delta is going to continue to pluck around the gammas. And I'm sorry, I'm not, I don't know my Greek. So some, <laughs> of, some of you gray friars and others out there can fill yeah. in the rest of the alphabet. We will see this continue to percolate through. And, and then have to decide, what is it we're going to do? Are we going to really going to go back to mandatory widespread masking? Uh, so the discussion I'm seeing, um, and it's a little bit of a remarkable discussion. <laughs> have you seen the numbers on flu cases, influenza for the last year? I have heard they're considerably low. They're almost unmeasurably low. Um, and that's not a, a, what's, what's unusual about that is like, whoa, how did that happen? Not only that virus, but respiratory syncytial virus, which is RSV, and quite a few other viruses that we see run around seasonally have almost been non-existent for the last 16, 18 months. Is that a result of just not being around? It is. Okay. You know, I think, honestly, if we're, if we're really, if we're really uh, want to look back at what was most effective at slowing the spreading of coronavirus, which I don't think we should go back there, was people hiding in their homes for three months. And people completely quitting work for three to five months. Right. And nobody touching anybody, including grandpa, for 12 months. That was the only way to actually keep these viruses from going around. And it did. And there's actually a, now a move to say, hmm, maybe we should stay away from each other. Maybe we should mask endlessly because it's so great that we didn't get viruses for the last 12 months. I, I see our, your game. Our, he's, our, <laughs> he's actually putting on his mask in the room here as we speak. Uh, yeah. Or not. Yeah. It is funny. It's, it's uh, our finitude and just our humanliness is just, it, like modernity is just, we just don't even like humanness. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, it's almost like we talked about plenty of times while you're in our previous episodes of human beings are what we are and like part of what it is to be human is to be sick, to pass germs mm. to and fro. And the, uh, and I, we recently shared it again. I, I shared it on Facebook to see if folks thought 
if they had more topics we should talk about. And uh, the quote that you mentioned that I, I really liked was there's a sort of baseline thought that we shouldn't be sick. Mm. And it's just not a very reasonable or human thing. Well, it, it actually flies directly in the face of what we know this world to be, which right. is it is a virus infested, cursed place. Yeah, and it is. And, and, and honestly, it shapes what you believe about that, whether you believe that we have a father, Adam, and a mother, Eve, that sinned a personal sin against God the Father and, and, and broke covenant, and as a result of that, experienced death, not just uh, death by estrangement, but death as a slow dribble over the rest of their life. Whether you, if you believe that, you're going to face things like coronavirus in a very different way where you say, well, yeah, here's another one of those things that, that God promised as a curse or sin. It should drive us to our knees. It should drive us to count our days that we gain a heart of wisdom. And it should drive us to say, Lord, come quickly. I uh, look forward to, to full redemption of this body that groans. That's um, just a tent that is marvelously made and, and amazingly good at fighting off so many things and yet is going to be wore out like a like a damp rag eventually and and then redeemed one day as uh, when we're together in heaven for eternity i mean but if you don't have that you actually have a very different perspective you write a story that says oh those idiots back in the 1960s that had swine flu where uh 300 400,000 people in in the 1960s died of it well they they were idiots because they should have been wearing masks but look we're really good at it and we can overcome this and and we can actually rewrite our DNA so we don't have illness yep. anymore. Knowledge and science becomes a sort of salvific Oh man. Character. Uh, here's the craziest thing I saw this week. Um, a discussion in the New England Journal of Medicine about should we, there's, there's all these commercial products on the market that will sort through your embryos that are made in test tubes and then decide which ones will get diabetes or not, which ones might get blood pressure issues down the way or not. And then they can self-select for those those embryos that might have less illness in their lifetime. Oh boy. <laughs> and we, we really think that we're gods messing with uh, things. And we really think that we can overcome sickness and death, but it leads us to do bizarre things like hide from each other when the, the one thing we really needed was each other. There's a, uh, I'm not sure. Well, I'm sure being in town, you most likely saw it, but the, the MZ study that had come out mm. recently on the Sandsdemic. I don't know. Were you familiar with that? Mm-hmm. Okay. So one one thing that I took away from it that I that I quite enjoyed. It's very tragic news, but I I did enjoy a particular aspect of it, um, mm. and it made help make sense of a lot of things. Um, is you know, post the boomers had such big families, or or were the result of big families, mm-hmm. and and then didn't sort of reciprocate that. Had one or two, mm. and both parents were in the in the labor market, mm-hmm. and so that just spiked the labor market, which means we have more stuff and stuff comes quicker and cheaper. And, um, that's a, as much of a huge blessing. It came with a lot of things like you can believe weird things that don't necessarily align with reality because mm. we have the kind of money to make it. So, so like, for example, there's, you know, feminism wasn't a big thing on the frontier mm-hmm. way back when, because it's just, it wasn't even really like reality wouldn't allow you to sort of think that way. Mm. I wonder it, Similar things like this, this sort of presupposition mm-hmm. that humans, you know, why don't we just back away from each other for some time? You know, that we can live off that for a while because we live in a, 
we have we have apps that can deliver us food or we mm. have all kinds of things but very soon you know the labor market with such not a lot of people that stuff won't be around and like we will that reality that we need one another that 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 your emotional health depends on people uh, annoying people that were people <laughs> that you think is annoying just like our immune systems depend on like transferring of that kind of stuff so anyway sure it, we We've given ourselves so fully over to this individualism that says, I would truly be at my happiest if I don't have people bugging me. And I'll truly be completely uh, satisfied if I can fill my every need. And we're coming into an amazing time technology-wise where we probably could approximate a lot of those human functions. Right. Uh, and, uh, boy, I'm sure I think they're making a movie about that. Um, <laughs> so I've heard. Yeah, so I've heard. I'd like to take one aspect of it that I think actually matters because we're talking about vaccination. We're talking about things that our culture has begun to despise. And I think one of those that, that is becoming quite apparent is we despise children. Um, and where I see that in this current vaccine conversation is there is a, a coming push that is going to require every kid to be vaccinated for COVID-19 before they go back to school, before they return to things. We've already have two universities in our area that have required that vaccination, even though they know that every one of those college students has actually had COVID naturally because it was so easy to spread. And they actually tested all those kids when they were going to college. And they know, they know they had, they know they've had them all, right. but they're, they're mandating the vaccine and they're pushing it now down to children. And it's currently in the 12 to 15 year olds and it's going to go to five very quickly. Why? Because we fear, we, 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 we've actually treated kids like they're an option. We've treated kids like they are not just an option, but, but frankly, dangerous. Um, and, and that's just, I mean, here we are. So those modern sensibilities, they are chaos. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, how many people are choosing to go without kids? Um, because they, they say, man, that's, that's going to take a dent out of my pocketbook. Uh, that's going to crimp my style. That's going to keep me from being able to hike with the dogs and the, up the mountains. Uh, Man, so many, so many reasons to not have a kid. And here we are now looking at kids and, and, and the push is coming from adults who fear death and fear COVID to push it on to kids that, that, oh, the kids are the ones that are going to pass this around. And it flies actually in the, in the face of what we know, which is huge that most kids have actually had coronavirus, that most kids have actually overcome it and didn't ever know they had it, that, that actually communities that have allowed that are the ones that are flourishing and are able to move forward because kids serve as such a blessing, a reservoir of immunity for um, breaking those connections between adults that are more vulnerable. But we've hid those kids behind masks and we uh, kept them on the video screen instead of sending them to school. And many communities chose to take a really different path. And now we're going to push them to have vaccines. Vaccines for, for something that they have almost no risk and that's infinitesimally small risk of, of dying, of almost no risk of any long-term consequences, who are likely going to have it and never even know that they even had coronavirus and who actually would be a blessing to us. But this is just, it's not all that different than, than so many other things we've chosen as a culture where we hate kids. Yeah, hate kids. And then I've, I, it seems like kids are always a play for revolutionaries too. You know, that's, that's, that's oh, yes. like a, a big, it's a big power grab. Well said by uh, Ben Merkel this week. I saw uh, that. I saw you. That, that they want that. they want your kids, and they're going to come for them. And the and they believe that that's the the future if they can get your kids. 
If you're not post-millennial and a paedo-baptist, the leftists are, so... Well, it's and something of that perfect effect, timing for the gay choir to come out and yes, say, yeah, yeah, we want right. your kids. Um, and yeah. to saying it so gleefully, it, it's, it's yeah. a bizarre time where, totally. where, um, uh, I'm not sure what they hope to gain other than they didn't feel that there was any fetters to keep them from being honest any, any longer. But, but, um, but the, the opposite side of that is to, is to really, is to really push back and say, kids, what, what is the value and where do we get that understanding of? I mean, we live in a, we, we take our instruction, our marching orders from scripture, which says children are a blessing from the Lord. Blessed is the man whose, whose quiver is full of them. We used to have a, a website that was myfullquiver.com. It was okay. uh, for our family website. And, and maybe we we're one of those crazy, uh, 15 passenger <laughs> van families, but we're thankful because that's actually not what we started out to be. Those post-mill war tanks. Well, as, as, uh, as God has really blessed way beyond what we thought was wise or good. Um, it, it's been an amazing gift to have children, but also is, it, it makes you wise to what's coming ahead and, and dig down and, and build walls and teach well and walk and talk and, and, and delve into scripture as you're together and then just endeavor to be wise. So as we wrap up Delta, those are going to keep happening. Different variants. Those should be expected. Those should not be yeah. devast that should not be devastating news to you, world crumbling news. Those those are coming. Big picture is that we have been through a grand experiment. And uh it's a it's partly brought to you by modern medical care, where we have been able to tell you when and where and how you got the COVID illness. So many people know the moment they came down sick and, and can even contact trace it. That's that's amazing. That's that's pretty remarkable. We also have had people dutifully watching themselves for, for uh, side effects and consequences. And there's the long haulers that the conversation keeps turning towards, which is amazingly rare. Um, and, uh, and yet also brings us to an awareness that we live in a virus-filled world, one that, that should also um, bring some humility and some understanding for it. We should also, through that same humility, recognize we have an amazing gift our immune system, something given to us, created in our bodies even before the fall, given as a gift from a father who knew we were going to be in a virus-filled world and one that we were going to face the consequences of sin and death, one that was going to give us pushback that we wouldn't even have to think about. Uh, it's pretty marvelous. One that, uh, immune system we know so little about if we're really frankly honest, and, we're, and yet we've been able to do some cool things. I think vaccination still has a little bit of gee whiz and some cool, but also having that same conversation about vaccination, man, there are real risks to vaccines and a one size fits all vaccine sometimes creates horrible consequences for thankfully a limited number of individuals. Maybe more, we just don't know with these particular vaccines raises a big concern. Where are we going forward? Oh, coronavirus folks. Let's, uh, again, we continue to, to live in a world that that uh, it has exposed some of the some of the most divisive things, but uh, that are that are remarkably challenging. Uh, neighbors that still won't cross fences, families that that are still wearing masks when they get together, even though I've, I've known a number that have decided to get vaccinated and not in our necessarily a circle, but 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 wider wider circles. Here's what I think is the most important thing going forward: um, compulsion. Uh, we talked at the beginning about the Biden going door to door. There, really, there is a move 
and uh, quite a few hospitals, including our local hospital in Pullman, has now decided to make uh, the vaccine compulsive or mandatory for its employees, um, even though the illness is no longer circulating here. Uh, and a lot of businesses are thinking about doing that, and they're considering putting that in, into uh, travel and other things. Thankfully, I think enough people actually have voted with their feet, and we have a very large number of people in the United States who have said, no, I'm not going to get vaccinated. What will it take to push them uh, and convince them otherwise? Uh, you're going to have to make that a very, a very heavy-handed and ugly approach, and you might have to sneak it up uh, behind people or tie it to their employment. Will that bring us to another step where we actually push back and where we rise up and say, there are some there should never be anything that's done under compulsion in our society. That is a line we should not cross, whether that is uh, forced medical technologies, whether that is tying those medical technologies to employment or to schooling or to participation in the economy. It, I hope to see a pushback where we wisely say there are some things that should not be done. Do you see, so not to take away from the round, from the finish, but do you see this Will this become one of those booster things, like a uh, a yearly, maybe every three years, sort of? Oh, uh, it's already being planned. Um, so Pfizer is actually asking to to produce a third dose or recommend a third dose. They actually the CDC, interesting enough, is pushing back and saying, no, actually, probably could have gone with one dose rather than three. And that's just a purely a financially in incentivized sure. like sure. what one dose? Why not three? <laughs> Uh, and, and especially when one dose creates such a potent immunity, it, it seems to be a very crazy step to, to push it at this. Um, however, as we discussed, this is a, this is a fast Freddy kind of virus. It's, it's going to keep changing. Uh, it's a, it's, um, I saw something pretty remarkable where they've, they've worked through the genome of the virus and they know that there are spliced in portions of that virus that make no sense that no natural virus has. Oh, Google it. Uh, it's on Wall Street Journal. It's not hidden. It's in plain sight that this is a little bit of a strange circumstance. And, and here we are in this crazy world of a virus that, that shouldn't be and looks very strange and keeps rolling with the punches. Awesome. Dr. Story, do you mind praying for us? We finish? Gladly. Lord God, uh, we live in a world that is scary and marvelous and uh, frightful and full of blessing and curses. Father, uh, you allowed it this way because of sin sin that entered because we chose to rebel. But Father, you've also sent your son to redeem us, to buy us out of the pit, and you've called us to be your children, and that's marvelous. Father, we have a hope, a living hope that, that goes beyond this world, that gives us freedom from fear and freedom from death here, and joy uh, in the midst of even hard circumstances. Father, all these things, we thank you that it's through your son, Jesus, that we can claim these things and that we're called to you. Amen. Amen. Thanks so much, sir. Thank you.